Welcome to the DadWork Podcast. My name is Kurt Storing, your host and the founder of DadWork. This is episode number 61, Becoming Uncivilized, Healing After Divorce, and Grief, with my guest, Traver Boehm. We go deep today talking about primal masculinity and how culture and technology have caused many men to lose touch with it, emotional intelligence as men, why every man should join a men's group, discovering a divine connection to nature as a man in order to connect with your inner self, being able to step into your power as a man by connecting to your head, heart, and balls, how we can heal and grow and still be open to the possibility of being hurt again, knowing exactly what you want from a relationship, healthy communication and setting boundaries with your partner to ensure a harmonious relationship, why it's important to teach our partners how to handle us in conflict and grief and healing from a miscarriage. Traver Boehm knows men, how they think, what's behind their behavior, and most importantly, their unique challenges in the modern landscape. Traver is the founder of the Uncivilized Men's Movement, the fastest growing men's movement in the world. He's the author of Today I Rise and Man Uncivilized, as well as a two-time TEDx speaker, men's coach, and podcaster. Drawing upon an eclectic background ranging from professional bodyguarding and mixed martial arts to a master's degree in traditional Chinese medicine and meditation, Traver counsels men, women, and couples on how to better understand men's mental health and relationship difficulties. Although he's not quite sure how to feel about the title, he has been dubbed the Man Whisperer as he has the unique ability to speak to men in a way they can hear and understand. In 2016, after losing a pregnancy, his marriage, and his business partnership all within weeks of each other, he created a radical year-long social experiment to answer the questions, who am I and who am I as a man? Highlights of the year include volunteering with the dying as a hospice worker, meditating for 28 straight days in complete isolation and pitch black darkness in a Guatemalan hut, living in the frigid Utah wilderness for a month with only a knife, a water bottle, and a blanket. With a passion for people and a unique lens through which to view the human experience, Traver is a highly sought-after teacher in the fields of consciousness, intimacy, and personal development. When not teaching workshops or radically shifting the way men experience their masculinity, Traver can be found obsessing over a single word in front of his laptop, chasing surf around the globe, and being awful at yoga. You can find Traver online at manuncivilized.com. You can also listen to the Uncivilized podcast with Traver Bohm anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Guys, this was a fantastic episode. I was very excited for this because I have watched Traver online and seen the work that he is doing for pretty much the entire time I have been doing this work. And it was honestly a pleasure to be able to sit down with him today. We jived with a lot of sort of similarities and understandings with what we had experienced in our lives. And it was just a really honest conversation. There's one of those things where you get a guy who's as successful as Traver, who has been in the space for a long time, and you sort of wonder, okay, is this guy just going to call it in? Is he going to repeat the same sorts of things that he's been saying over and over for the last number of years? And I felt deep presence from Traver in this podcast. So man, I'm first of all, so grateful for you for going here and, and just being so solid and so present. And guys, I am grateful to be able to share this with you because this is a hell of an episode. This one is deep. This one is full of presence and vulnerability and going into what it means for us to be men in the modern age. So I hope you enjoy this episode. And as I hear in a moment, I make a claim in this episode that I think every man needs to join a men's group. And that's not hyperbole. I truly believe that. And of course, you've heard this on the podcast before, but I'm going to invite you in case today is the right time for you to join us in one of our men's groups for dads. You can find out more and apply at dad.work slash group. That's dad.work slash G-R-O-U-P. I'd love to have you join us if this is the right step for you. With all that being said, let's welcome Traver Boehm to the Dad Work Podcast with episode number 61. Here we go.
All right, dads, I am extremely excited to have Traver Boehm on the podcast. He is the man behind everything uncivilized that you have probably heard about. And the reason I wanted to have him on is because I have been trying to triangulate myself to become this combination of caveman, warrior, and monk. And I think the uncivilized ethos is like all of those things. So man, I want you to tell us all about it. Welcome. Mm, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I, I think you've got it down, brother. I think that is kind of the <laughs> triangulation I was feeling at the time when when it all came about. And then even how it's evolved since was I looked at men and I looked at us, you know, the mass, vast majority of us, like so dropping off some of the outliers and said, we're missing the primal. Culture has told us that primal masculinity is bad unless we need it, right? Primal masculinity is scary. It's quote toxic. It's evil. We, we, we have to get rid of this. Uh, so a lot of men have disconnected from that, or even it, it can't even blame culture. Technology has taken us away from that. Just technological advances have taken us away from that. And yet it's in our DNA. It's in the fiber of our being. And when, when, when men return to some primal aspect of their lives, their whole lives become better. So it was that coupled with, I termed it the divine, but it really is just a connection to consciousness or a connection to emotion or a connection to something bigger than we are. And I found that those two pieces were either both missing and you got a guy who's just in trouble or one aspect was overemphasized at the expense of the other. So you may have some guys that were all primal, like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm, I got a pickup truck that's jacked up. I got shotguns in the back. I hunt all my food and I haven't had a fucking feeling in 25 years. Right? I'm like, okay, <laughs> yeah, totally <that's> awesome. <laughs> and then you got the other hand where it's guys who were just living and dying by their feelings and were apologetic about their desires, apologetic about their drive apologetic about any aspect of masculinity and had turned themselves into a very effeminate, uh, watered down, collapsed version of a man. And I could see both archetypes clearly. And at the time when I created all of this, I could see the push was more towards the, what I called the sensitive new age guy and away from the primal aspect of masculinity. And so I just threw this idea out quickly on social media of like, what if we took the both. What if there was a Venn diagram and in the middle was this place called uncivilized, a man who was uncivilized, who was unapologetic about his primal nature, was in touch with his primal nature. Whether he lived in, in the city or he lived in the woods, it was irrelevant. Like, was he in touch with his wildness? Right? Was he in touch with the generations of men who came before him that did some amazing shit with their hands, with tools, with building, with, you know, like penetrating the world with their ideas. And yet was he also emotionally intelligent, connected to something greater than himself in touch with his feelings? I know that's a scary word for a lot of guys. Has he worked through his wounding? Has he worked through his trauma? Does he even understand and have an idea that at some point in his life, whether he's, quote, had the most idyllic upbringing or, or the worst, he's been traumatized. And just that idea, like it exploded my life, Kurt, because all of a sudden guys came out of the woodwork and said, you know what? I don't want to just be 
the warrior Navy SEAL. And I don't want to just be the vegan feminist poet, but I don't also want to drop both in their totality. Like I want to be a little bit of each. Why can't I be both? Why can't I do the yes and? And I was like, here's your permission slip for the yes and. So that was, you know, four or five years ago when masculinity was the hot topic. I don't think it's become less in crisis. We just have COVID and some other things to talk about now that are dominating the news cycle. But I will add the things that are dominating the news cycle right now are contributing, in my opinion, to even more challenges for men. Because we have less community, we have less emotional intelligence, we have less permission to reach out and just say like, hey man, I don't know what you're doing today, but I'm really struggling. Like That's still culturally not okay. We may not even have the access to resources, to actual resources where you say like, well, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a violent relationship and I'm not the violent one. Like, well, best of luck to you. Or, you know, I'm drinking a lot and I don't know what to do. Well, now we're going to shame you or, or just, you just have AA as an option. It, it feels like masculinity isn't in crisis anymore, but even more men are in crisis at the moment. Yeah, man. I um, We've been talking a lot on this podcast, on Instagram about just this balance. And I have been trying to go like, what is the positive version of this? And you just said all of it. Like mm. the middle bit is being uncivilized. It's how er, how are we cultivating this sense of awareness, emotional intelligence, all this kind of stuff that it takes to securely attach, to have brilliant relationships, to connect with other men and not be, I think John Wineland called them like conscious flow bros, where they're just completely disconnected. Like <laughs> I find my own spirituality in being fully aware and having my feet on the ground at the same time. Like you got to be looking upwards while your feet are connected to the ground. And you just said like all for those sure. things perfectly because that's what we are going for here is that balance between getting shit done and like feeling how it feels to get shit done or not. Yeah. And that's like this perfect connectedness here. And I wonder, like my first question other than this was going to be like, what the hell's wrong with the world, man? Like, is this it? Because you seem like the guy that I would ask, what do you see as being perhaps more detrimental? You said a couple of things there with COVID, not having the community that we need, mm -hmm. but like, where did we go wrong? And how mm. do we get this back? Ooh, I mean, that's a, a billion dollar question. I'll defer to a man who I've listened to a number of times, uh, Francis Weller, who said that when dealing, and he's talking about dealing with, our own inner predator, meaning what's the thing that's coming up in us that we have to do battle with to get to the next evolution of ourselves as men? Is it a lack of self-esteem? Is it the wounding? Is it addiction? Is it whatever the thing is? And everybody knows they have something, myself included. He says, in order to, to properly handle that energy, we need two things. We need, quote, the sacred and we need community. So we need to get back to something bigger than fucking Instagram, CNN, whatever the latest drama of the Kardashians is at the moment, whatever we're being pumped, the news cycles pumping into us of why we should hate each other or why, why we should be uh, div divided. We need to replace that with, and I say the word sacred, I'm not talking about a Judeo-Christian idea. I'm talking about like, go in the woods, go outside, go put your feet on the earth. 
go, go surf in the ocean, go do something that connects you to nature, which was the first idea of quote God. And then two, you got to have community. And for us men, especially for us, especially that has to be other men. So how do we combat a massive force of mental health challenge and physical health challenge and stress and fear and all the things that are just crippling human humanity at the moment. One, we find something bigger than ourselves. And two, we celebrate what we do have and we collaborate in ways that we never have before. And, and I'm not trying to pitch a men's group here, right? I don't give a fuck if you join mine or somebody else's, but you got to be a part of some group. We've the the lone wolf experiment for the nuclear family, for for guys in particular, for everybody of like, oh no, I'm just this little island in my house in the suburbs. That's failed. We can look at just about every metric and say, like, okay, we're not doing that well when we don't know our neighbors. You know, two two years ago, Kurt, this was and it was kind of apt timing. I think it was our February challenge or our, our March challenge in the nation in my men's group was to literally go, and this was before I knew anything about COVID. I was like, here's what you guys have to do. Go knock on five doors in your neighborhood and just be like, hey, I'm Traver. I live over there. This is what I do. Just want to let you know who I am. Here's my phone number. Anything weird happens in the neighborhood or you need anything, I'm cool. Just hit me up. Like, just know your damn neighbor's names. Like that, that was the entire assignment. Like this was like, you know, the stretch goal for the month for these guys <laughs> and for myself included, because I bounced around the world all the time. But I remember, and I asked them, this is what it stemmed from. How many of you knew your neighbors growing up? And they're like, oh yeah, you know, the Johnsons lived here and the Hamiltons lived here and the, the Smiths lived here. And, 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 and yet I'm like, how many of you know your neighbors now? And it was this kind of blank stare. And so I think we have to get back to that idea that we will benefit by knowing each other. We will benefit by supporting each other. And the idea that we can do it all on our own, men especially, it's just a failed concept. All right, cool. We, we tried it. It didn't work. Look at our mental health issues. Um, so I think that's the, the answer. And I want to be very clear about the idea of the sacred, meaning it's got whatever it is, it has your full attention. Right? So when I'm in nature, if I'm surfing, if I'm out in the woods here in the jungle here at Costa Rica, like I do not have my phone. If there's no blurps, there's no bleeps, there's no vibrations, there's no nothing. It's just like me communing with myself and whatever the energy is that created this whole fucking thing, which I'm not going to name. That to me is vitally important, especially for men. Because we need to realize that we're not the biggest fish in the pond. I think it's very healthy when guys realize like, oh, what do you know? I have, I'm in com- quote, complete control. And then the wind came and just fucked up everything that I owned or like a snowstorm. Blew- <laughs> oh, I don't have power. What do you know? Dude, right? I think it's healthy. Man, this right? is so important. That is so important that like I did a, a thought, a post about this on the lack of awe in our world today. Exactly. Like, I can't see the stars where I live. And that is a tragedy. Like yeah. if we cannot get the sense of look how flipping small we are, mm-hmm. we are basically insignificant. And yet there's this paradox here where we actually get to choose what's meaningful to us if we can tap into it. And it's like that 
awe that we can't get anymore allows us, which you just said, to think that like we're top shit. We like mm-hmm. can do everything and then one small thing. And this idea came up. Funny you mentioned the wind. We're having a big storm here. And I was like, if I didn't have this house, and even though I'm in this house, I can't go out and stop this. Like I'm getting pelted. I'm at the drive-thru getting the tea for my wife and there's like sideways rain. Like, please let me close this. Take my order. I don't want to get wet anymore. And it's like, wow, incredible. And I felt awe. And it like really changed my perspective, not really being put in that place more often. So this idea of the divine, of getting close to what really is, is fucking essential. I love that you brought that up. Thank you. I love that you use that word. I, I remember telling my girlfriend a year ago, if I don't have awe in my life, I get depressed. And awe may be a wave that I think I'm, is going to kill me or a, a jujitsu match where I'm like, God, that was just mind boggling. I, lo- I, I lost sense of time. I lost whatever. But the number one is still, in my opinion, nature. Yes. And, and I'm not telling guys, you got to go live in the woods. You don't. You, I don't. I don't live in the woods. Like I, I live in Denver. Most of the time, and and it's and I've been in the woods, but yet, uh, how many times have we just stood in front of the Grand Canyon, or a, a couple of weeks ago at a workshop, we hiked a bunch of people here up to this waterfall, which was you know 150 feet high, just breathtaking, literally breathtaking, and everyone did the same thing; they just stared at it, and, and like we didn't have to say anything. There was no like. Take it in. Everybody just st- intuitively their 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 nature in quotes was just wow. This is going all the time, twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. This will be here after I'm gone. This will be here after my kids are gone and my grandkids. This is phenomenal. Okay, a lot of shit makes sense that didn't make sense forty five seconds ago before we turned <laughs> the corner and saw yeah. this. So I think that's it's vital, man. If we talk about men's mental health, which we do, it's, I want the conversation to, yes, pharmaceuticals are, they have a place. I'm never going to say they don't. Therapy is massive, but I really question for most men, when was the last time you just went outside and went, holy shit? Like that sentence, you just said those two words, holy shit. Let's throw that into the mental health picture. And see if it doesn't do some good just on its own. So I, I fully love that you use the word awe because it, it is it is vital. And I think it, it just used to be a part of the deal, right? It used yeah. to be it used to be like a, a weekly prescription or a monthly prescription. And I, I don't. I'm 45. I grew up reading stories of of like adventure of Huck Finn of you know of Davy Crockett of of all these guys. And I remember thinking that. Every day must have been off filled for them in the woods, in the wild, you know, in the frontier. And, and I know I'm probably aging and dating myself past what m- most guys are conceptualizing, but I also don't think you need to go to the Alps, right? Like go find this in your neighborhood. I had a guy, Kurt, the other day say, like, well, how do I get back in touch with the primal? Right? He's like, I got three kids in private school. I'm an accountant. Like, what, what do I need to do? Do I need to go like hunt with a bow and arrow? He's like, No. Just go for a walk, man. Do two things. Go for a walk and find something to do that scares you. Right? Before I get up on a stage to speak, I got to pee like a mother. Like I'm nervous, my hand's shaking, but there's awe. There's like, there's fear. Like go do something that scares you and you'll have to tap back into that part of yourself 
that went, okay, I can handle this. This is the exact same fear every, every man before me has felt who fought a tiger, who hunted a deer, who went to war, who did all the things. And I don't do those things anymore. And I'm personally not advocating that people go like hunt with a knife or go to war, but you can get on a stage, right? You can, you can go to an open mic. You can write something. You can say something vulnerable to your wife. You can tell your kids you love them. You can make amends with your parents. There's a lot of stuff that gets put in that primal category that just makes your blood rise a little bit and go, oh yeah, I'm still alive. I'm still alive. Okay. Hell yeah. Man, Good. Yeah. As you were saying that, I was like, I, I experienced this the other day in men's group, like a men's group that I lead. And I was like, oh shit, it's been, I got called out. It's like, you haven't been vulnerable in a long time. Do you think these guys truly have your back? And I was like, Ooh, I haven't shared my truth with them in a long time. And I wonder if they can without knowing me. Mm. And I was like, I've been leading this group for a long time, really comfortable. And I was like, guys, I am scared because like, I don't know if you guys really truly have my back. And all I want is like deep friendship. Mm. That's all I want. Like that's that connection. And I noticed in my body, and this is benefit of just like getting out and doing that stuff. You notice it's like, I was had a little bit of shakes and I like could feel my heart rate going and like looking around, just being seen that, like you said, do something vulnerable with your wife or join a men's group. I know you said you're not telling guys to join a men's group. I am. Join a fucking men's group. You know, <laughs> whether it's Travers, whether it's mine, whether it's some <laughs> other one locally, if you're not in a men's group, man, like what are you doing? So um, the the other thing that yeah, came I'll, up I'll take to that was back. like- Join a fucking men's group. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> One of the things that we do a lot with the kids is we go for walks in the forest. We're really blessed in the Pacific Northwest to have mountains, forest, ocean, all this kind of shit. And even the local ones, like we sort of live in the suburbs here. We go out for a little walk. It's not very long, but we will just notice the trees mm -hmm. and I will put my hand on a tree mm -hmm. and I will breathe the tree into my body and my body into the tree. And that's super fucking woo woo. Don't at me, but like it works, yep. you know? <clears throat> and so my kids now will pass a tree and they will touch the tree. And oh my God, like that is, yes, right? I, yeah, exactly. I, I'm I'm also doing that like fist pump thing as they get connected to nature. And I go, holy shit, this is a huge tree. Mm. And it's that holy shit moment. And yeah, you don't have right. to go, you know, kill tigers with a knife, like you said, like the accountant in your right. group, just go outside, right. take your shoes off, man. Like we do that too. Take your shoes off in the woods, feel that grounding energy and just mm. get a sense I don't know if any of the guys listening to this, I had this experience in a breathwork session. Mother Earth can hold your shit. Mm -hmm. You know, like I come from a long line of people who don't really feel like they have support in their families. Mm -hmm. And so when I felt the support of the earth and like mm -hmm. the energy that you're talking about, that was like a, a sacred gift really to feel supported by something bigger than me. Mm -hmm. And I want all the dads listening to know that like, yes, you got to do that for yourself as you do that for your kids because mm. we can't become good fathers until we become good men in my mm. opinion. That's why we do this kind of work. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious, like when it comes to getting both the primal side and the sort of meditative spiritual side, are there like different practices for each side? And then you just uh, like bring them together or how do you get guys and how have you done uh, practices perhaps to cultivate each side without getting lost in either of them? Mm, great question. Uh, one of the things I love to do at workshops specifically of, of all men's workshops is 
I'll teach them. First, we'll, we'll list of like, what are primal attributes? What are the divine attributes? What have you cut off from, from yourself? What are you ashamed of or afraid of or feel guilty for? What, what has society, culture, your family, whatever the patterning or conditioning is, disconnected you from? And then I'll have them run through this series, Kurt. It's a, there's an exercise called pummeling from jujitsu or wrestling where it's kind of like hugging and trying to get an interesting lock around a guy's, say, torso. And so they're fighting for that position. And by fighting, I mean, you know, we're doing it at 50% effort, even though everybody bumps it up as soon as it. I'm like, all right, 50%. Okay, let's drop it down from 98. <laughs> Let's meet at 70. Okay, you're not fighting for the world champion. Okay, just do what you're going to do. So they feel, what is it like to actually have another body working against them? But it's a friendly body. It's a a cohesive body. It's not an angry body. It's not a, a traumatic body. I'll have them do that for you know 20 minutes rotating around the room, feeling other men, feeling themselves, feeling their own power, feeling their own strength. And then immediately break into smaller groups and say, okay, I want you to stand with your arms at your side and relax to the point where if you relaxed one unit more, you would simply collapse. So you are just holding yourself up with the bare minimum amount of energy and feel what's going on in your body at this moment. And what happens inevitably is they have the permission and the foundation of the primal underneath this experience. And that's what allows them to open their hearts. That's what allows them to actually feel. And you'll have guys start crying. You'll have guys start laughing. You'll have guys just have the, the full spectrum of emotions because what the prime, the primal is the protector. And so they know, Oh, I was disconnected from that. I'm reconnected to it. Now I have permission to feel my body, to get out of my fucking head to actually go, wow, my heart is beating in my chest. My stomach is tight. I'm feeling guilt. I'm feeling shame. I'm feeling laughter. I'm feeling joy, whatever it is. And I'll hold them there for a minute or two and say, now you have that practice. So it doesn't have to be pummeling where you need another body. But what if you knocked out 30 push-ups and then you got up and you just breathed with your arms at your side and allowed whatever it may be. And this is, this is, this could be done on like the 50th floor of a New York city apartment where you're, where you're neither primal nor, you know, close to consciousness. It can be done anywhere in the world. Uh, so I think that's the best way, unless you, you set your life up, which a number of people have, right? I wake up in the morning and meditate for 45 minutes or journal or some connect to some kind of consciousness piece and then go surf or go wrestle, but my life may be different than other guys, especially I don't have kids. So I know a lot of people listening to this is like 45 minutes in the morning. Are you fucking kidding me? You know what I do for 45 <laughs> minutes in the morning? <laughs> I answered the question, why, why, why? <laughs> yeah, dude. Feel you on that one. <laughs> but, but if you have five minutes in the morning, you can do that practice, right? Of like just tapping back into hitting yourself in the chest, like, oh, that's right. I'm alive. I'm structure. Mm. I'm 3D. I exist in this world. If someone comes through my door who I don't want, I will physically fucking remove them. Now, I'm also so much more than my physical body. I am nature. The same energy that wakes the sun up and has the leaves growing and doing all this also flows through me. 
right? So we can get mm-hmm. weird on it, but it does. Like there isn't a separate energy in my life that's like, oh, well, nature's on one spectrum and then I'm just this unique other entity because I wear t-shirts and type. It's not like that. We are the same, the same energy. So I think it's a long answer to a short question, but really having a practice that lets you move and then a practice that lets you feel. And, and brother, that can be 90 seconds. That can be three push push-ups and three deep breaths, right? That's, that's it. But as, as long as your blood gets pumping and you tap in, you can answer this question, which for most men is really hard. I feel X. How do you feel mm-hmm. right now? Right? How many times have you asked a guy, a new guy in a men's group, how do you feel? And he goes, well, I think, and, and then, right? like, no, 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 no. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. I remember, I remember when I used to answer my question the same way, but how do you feel? And he literally says, I don't know. No one's ever asked me before. Mm. Or I've never been allowed to answer or I've been shamed for the answer or whatever it may be. That's all beautiful. So, so good to get the physical and then understanding that you're not this fucking unique something in the world. Like, you know, right. you're, you're part of it and finding mm-hmm. that space in it is again, it's, it's almost awe-inspiring to, to be able to do that. Like, wow, I can feel, and I do exist as part of this. And this is magnificent. I hold in myself some of that magnificence mm. and that can be perhaps a way for men to just feel allowed to feel all these amazing things, to understand that like everything that is awe-inspiring outside of themselves exists inside, which I love, which you sort of said, alluded to there. And oh man, this is so good. This is just like, so I feel my soul being enriched, just being here with you who sort of, in my Mm. opinion, gets it. You know, and I'm so grateful that we can share this with the guys Mm. because this kind of stuff has taken me a long time to get. I'm obviously not perfect, but it has made a world of difference, not only in myself, but in how I parent. Because this kind of work allows me not to rely on tactics, techniques, like, oh, what was that thing Mm. that the coach said I was supposed to say? Like, no, you tap into it and you feel all the shit that comes up. And then you respond from that place of, oh, this is really frustrating right now. Mm -hmm. I feel anger in my chest Mm -hmm. and I love deeply the kid in front of me, my Mm. child, Mm. you know, whatever that looks like. So this is fundamental, I think, to being really conscious, parent conscious father. And um, yeah, like all men, obviously, but I feel like things ratchet up a little bit uh, when you've got this other like person or people to, to deal with. And how do you bring them along on this journey as well? One of the things that I wanted to ask about before we get, I think I'd like to spend the last sort of half on relationship and uh, your experience with that. But I want to know, could you please tell us about having equal and open access to your head, heart and balls? Because man, Mm. doing meditations on this, being able to access all three of those points, I have used all three points to meditate on decisions Mm. and realize how separate each part of my body feels on this and to be able to come to a comprehensive understanding of everything that is true in me. Could Mm -hmm. you just dive into like what this means and how to cultivate that? Sure, sure, sure. I think for most men, we live Monday through Friday from the neck up and then Saturday and Sunday from the waist down. And we miss the middle. We miss the heart. We miss the guts and I view each as, and this, this will sound pragmatic, but as a, like my head is a tool. I need to figure out, just listening to these words, I need to figure things out throughout the day. 
I need to figure things out in my business. I have to figure things out about my life. My, my soul though, what, why I'm here, what I'm here to feel, what I'm here to experience, how I love, how I connect. I don't do that intellectually. And I, I recommend guys not trying to do that intellectually. That's this middle piece of what are you really here for, man? What lights you up? What, what confuses you because it lights you up and you don't think, if you hear the words, that it should light you up? What part of you is like, I don't know, I just, I, I, really, I really love ballet. I really love hunting. I love nature. I love surfing. Like surfing lives in my heart. Jiu-jitsu lives in my heart. My Instagram metrics live in my head, right? Like my, my strategy happens here. And then lastly, how, and I, I'll use the words specifically, how do you penetrate the world? How do you take this thing that in your heart whisper, the, the notion of, hey, I'm going to write a book. Okay, cool. Now I got to come up to my head and go, okay, what chapters am I going to have? How am I going to lay this whole thing out? Where am I going to sell it? Who's it for? Yada, yada. But then I got to drop it down below my waist and go, I got to fucking do this. This is going to be hard. This is going to be confronting. This is going to be challenging in ways I know. I'm going to have to deal with myself. I'm going to have to deal with the predator that says, who wants to read your shit? Nobody, no, men don't buy books. Men don't even read books. What are you even talking about? Who are you to say this thing? Who are you to even stand in this world? And that's when I got to tap back into the thrust of my life, right? Like literally the energy of my cock, which goes like, no, I'm here to impregnate the world with my ideas. I'm here to impregnate my partner. You're talking to a bunch of dads. You guys have all done this, right? You didn't do it from across the couch. You actually got up and got in and thrust yourself into the world. And so I think knowing that I'm not going to impregnate my partner with my thoughts, Right? Like that's, I can't think my way. None, none of you guys that I'm aware of like thought your way into fatherhood, right? <laughs> and, and none of you are going to feel your partner with that thrust. You're not going to feel the sensitivity like, wow, my child's hurting right now. What do I do? What, what do I want to do with myself? What's bigger than me? That doesn't happen below the waist. So it's like the understanding that each area and each energy is a separate tool that needs to be used at separate times or in conjunction, right? To, to Just to take your podcast, for example, you need all three. You need to be able to go, okay, cool. I have to buy a mic, which mic's a good. I have to, which mic's good. I have to promote this. I have to do some things. But the idea I imagine, Kurt, was like a punch in your heart. Was like, hey, I, I, you're not doing a, a podcast on like widgets, or like, or finance, some, some other concept. They're like, you know what the number three available podcast thing to do right now is, I mean, you have great hair, like men's hair. I could just do hair. You're like, no, I want to fucking talk to dads. I want to heal the world. I want to heal men. So they become, cause it's like, I'm going to solve it. That's your heart. But then there was a day when you had to go, I have to hit publish. Um, all of my insecurities just came up. And to me, that's when you drop down to your balls and go, you know what? Fuck it. And you hit publish. So I, I hope that that makes sense. How do you tap into each one? I think there's just times of knowing it's, it's three different permission slips to me. Okay. I give myself permission to be smart. 
I give myself permission to feel and hear things that I can't hear with my ears and that's in my chest. And I give myself permission to stake some claim in this world for why I was born at this time, in this body, in this community, and with this particular message that a few people seem to be resonating with, fuck it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fuck it into the world, right? That's the different permission slips I think guys need to give themselves. And the challenge is, we feel impotent right now. So many men, feel, listen to the words, feel impotent. I can't do anything about COVID. I can't do anything about mandates. I can't do anything about masks. I can't do anything about my, my marriage. I can't do anything about my in-laws. You can. We have to step into that power place and actually connect our heart and our balls together. Right? One of my ethos tenets is show, show me love without strength and I'll show you a victim. That's show me heart without balls and I'll show you a victim. Show me strength without love and I'll show you a tyrant. That's balls without heart, right? So I think that I just got chills, which means I know we're talking about the right shit. The, the new iteration of men is I'm going to connect all three. I'm going to just have like this little team on my, in my, like my, my board of directors. I've got my head, my heart, and my balls. <laughs> and I'm just going to go. Fuck yeah. Right. I'm going to tap into like, okay, who do we need to solve? Who do we, we got a problem coming up. Okay. It's, it's a fear-based thing. Okay. We're going balls. All right. It's a feeling thing and a connection thing and an intimacy. We're going heart. I got some analytics and metrics and maybe an Excel spreadsheet I need to work through. All right, head, you're up. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, so fucking good, man. I, um, I've used this idea of like a board of directors for my emotions before, like anger used to come up, used to be red everywhere. Like my whole body would just be like on fire with anger. And I learned this technique where you basically invite the feeling to come and sit with the other feelings that are available to you compassion and mm -hmm. happiness, joy, sadness. And you're just like, Hey dude, what's going on? And then he's like, fuck you for giving me space. But then he's like, Oh, here's what the problem <laughs> is. And so I love the idea of putting your head, heart and balls onto this team, this like mm -hmm. power team, if you will, to guide your life. Like, yes, it can be useful. And it's, I think vital, at least in my life to have men around you to be this sort of board of directors for you, but you have one inherently within yourself, which you just outlined beautifully. So thank you so much, man. I My love pleasure. That. My pleasure. I, uh, I want to switch gears now because sure. I as well, I'm getting, uh, I'm, I'm fired up to be honest. Like I want to go Good. and punch something now and, and not in a destructive way, but like, I want to go hit the mats basically. Um, so, so let's just go from cock to heart here. Mm. Um, in relationship, I have a lot of guys who talk to me about divorce mm -hmm. or things are just flat. They're approaching divorce, mm -hmm. they think. And you've talked publicly about basically mm -hmm. everything falling apart at once for you. And I also see, mm -hmm. based on social media and your podcast and everything else, you are cultivating now new relationship and new love. And so where I want to start here mm -hmm. is not so much like the story behind that, but how have you healed and grown to be open to the possibility of being hurt again? Because that's what I think mm. true love gives access to. Trusting someone with your heart means they can fucking break it. And that's too mm -hmm. bad. You have mm -hmm. to trust. So what does that trust rebuilding look like for you? Ooh, great question. F first, I think we have to say, and it just has to be a universal knowing that love and loss are bedfellows. You don't get one without the other. 
if you if something disappears and you don't give a shit about it, it's not really a loss. If you love something, you intuitively have to know it's going to leave you at some point, either through death or separation, that there there is no foreverness. And so I think we have to have the courage, especially as men, to say, I'm going to walk into this situation knowing this has the potential to fuck me up in ways that nothing else can, right? I know billionaires who have just be, have crumbled at heartbreak, people who more assets and resources and all the things than we will ever know crumbled at heartbreak. And I think that there's an important point that men often miss, which is we have to build ourselves and our relationship with ourselves first. That wasn't taught to me at 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, whenever I was just like, oh my God, that has boobs and winked at me. I will now give all my shit and all my dreams and all my hopes over just for a little bit of access to that. So especially guys who are coming out of a divorce or coming out of a heartbreak and are dipping their toe back in the water, have a great life. Have an amazing life for you. Right? I, I teach this course called Kill the Nice Guy and ask every single guy in it. I don't want this to happen, so, so please don't tell me that like I'm trying to get rid of women. But what would you change about your life if women suddenly didn't exist? Would you still do jujitsu? Would you still drive the car that you drive? Would you still dress the way that you dress? Would you still drink and eat and go to the cl- do the things? And if the answer is yes, you would still do the exact same things, you're on point. If the answer is no, you would radically change your life, then brother, you're you're off track. You got to live for you and you got to build up like your side of the house. You got to build up this foundation underneath you. So I can tell you the difference between my marriage and my current relationship. If my current partner leaves, I will be devastated. I will be fucked up. But what will be underneath me is an extraordinary life. What wasn't underneath me in my divorce was, and it was, there was nothing. She, I made my marriage, my, her, my whole life. So when she disappeared, I had nothing to stand on. I fell all the way down to rock bottom. But now I have a movement. I have a mission. I have brothers. I have community. I know who I am. I have hobbies and things that I just do for me. I'm not going to say that heartbreak wouldn't hurt, but it's a different experience of everybody gets their heart broken and it fucking sucks. And a lot of guys end up killing themselves over it. And when I look at it's eight out of 10 male suicides, right? Or after a breakup or a divorce, I ask myself about those men. How well do you know yourself? How well do you love yourself? How much do you love your life? Do you fucking love your life? And now you've invited someone else into it. Or do you not love your life? Do you hate your life? And you're hoping that that person becomes your savior. That's where a lot of men operate. And it's, it's tragic then because that relationship is doomed to fail. And when it does, it will, it will bring them down with it. So to, to dive more into the specifics of your question, I went to a lot of therapy, Kurt. Like I, I had to not heal just from my divorce, but my divorce was an opportunity to go back and go, oh, my whole life had kind of done things to me that I'd said like, well, you know, my, my, uh, everybody had it worse than me. Like, look at me. I went to private school, like blah, 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 blah. I, I deflected all of the pain and trauma that I did live through. So one, I had to fill that in. I want to use these, I'm using these words very consciously, like fill in the hole 
And that was then dating and relating from a very different point. Also, here's the deal. Like I studied relationship for years. I went to relationship workshops. I went to intimacy workshops. I went to polarity workshops. I read books. I listened to podcasts. I interviewed people, hired coaches. Like I actually went, oh, at 40 years old, I am deficient in this area. I am like less than a white belt. I need to go get on the mat. I need to train for a couple years. Oh, I didn't know what nonviolent communication was. I didn't know what polarity was. I didn't know what holding space meant. They didn't realize that what projection was or what, like any of the, anything. It was your standard or dude was like, I know about, I'm a gym guy. I knew about deadlifting and kettlebells. I didn't know anything about relationship. So I tell men all the time, one, you got to get yourself whole and, and not this perfect heel. Like there is no point where you're just like, ah, I am now ready for relationship because I have no trauma, right? I, I think there's a, there was a meme about that or something. And then it's like 45 minutes later, you're like, are you going to chew that loud for our whole relationship or what? Like you're going to get triggered as shit, right? Like, oh, wow. Uh, but yet most men have these gaping holes of, of wounds that are just time bombs waiting to go off. So for you guys who are new to this, one, be able to answer this question. What do you want out of these questions? Let's say, what do you want out of this relationship? You got to know what you want. Why are you engaged in this? Two, what are you bringing to this relationship? Here's, here's my life. I said this to Katie, like early on in our dating life. I was like, this is my life. This is what I do. This is what I'm going to do. This is the direction I'm going. This is what I foresee for my future. I would love for you to be a part of it. Very different than like, I don't know. What do you, what, what do you want to do tonight? right? Like that was early on, not just asking her, like, I get it. You may be in love with me. Are you in love with my life? If you're not in love with my life, this, we're going to have an issue because what most men will do will change their life to their own detriment, right? So that was question two. Question three, I asked her straight up, what do you see yourself bringing to me and bringing to my life? Right? This isn't, it's not a job interview, but I wanted to know, has she even sat down and thought about that? Is she conscious enough to think about that? So th those were the basics, right? Then we got to dive into just conscious communicating. How do we relate? How are we going to fight? How are we going to argue? What's okay? What's not okay? What's a deal breaker? What's not a deal breaker? What's, what lights you up? What turns you on? Like I, got, I asked her a thousand questions. She asked me a thousand questions. Because I didn't want to have these, these hiddens and these unknowns. I didn't also want to have her, like have cards that weren't out on the table. I was like, this is what I'm into. I'm, I'm not going to hide this. I'm not going to like tuck that card in my back pocket and be like, well, that's not really an important card. And then three years down the line, I'm like flashing that card at women who are walking down the street or whatever it may be. Or like pretending that I, I've suppressed that card. But wow, if you look at my internet history... It's, it's there, right? Which is these common challenges for men. And, and so I also say post-divorce, post-breakup, enter consciously, enter slowly, and recognize that you are allowed to end the relationship yourself. You're allowed to have preferences. You're allowed to say to a beautiful woman, like, you know what? I just don't feel like this is going in the right direction. Most, like our, we've been conditioned to not do that. 
we've been conditioned to be like, well, you're just not making it work. I, I ended a number of relationships before this one by saying, like, I'm sorry, I just don't think we're a great match, or I don't think this doesn't feel aligned to me, no matter how beautiful they are, no matter how, how many check marks on the paper lined up. I think that's, that's really healthy for men to say, it's also okay for you not to be in relationship for a little while. Figure yourself out, right? Figure your life out. What lights you up? Like that's such a fucking important question, Kurt. What lights you up? And yeah, when I when I worked through that process, I felt like I was ready, you know, and, and, and even felt like I was probably ready beforehand and wasn't. And that's kind of the deal with getting back into relationship. You're like, oh, I'm super ready for relationship. Oh my God, I'm not ready for relationship. Oh, I'm super ready for relationship. I'm terrified of intimacy. Oh, and then, you know, <laughs> dip your toe in the water, you get it burned. You dip it back in, it gets it catches fire. Dip it in and like, oh, this feels good. Mostly it's about knowing who you are. And I say again, knowing your makeup. I know what my wounds are. I know what my triggers are. I told her that in the beginning too. Like, hey, my ex-wife walked out on me. I, I have some abandonment issues, right? If you yell at me or say these words, it's going to set me off. So we need to navigate around that. Here's the things that really make me feel uncomfortable in a relationship. Here's what really helps me in relationship. You you have to teach people like how to how to be with you. Like we don't give each other a user manual. We just sit down and go like, here's my best cards. Let me see your best cards. Okay. And then what do you know? You know, a month later we have no idea why things have blown up or we're having an argument that doesn't feel like it's going anywhere. Um, I feel like I'm rambling but does that help? Does that answer your question? Oh, it so good, so good. <laughs> There's so many things here. Like we could, the, each one of those points: communication, boundaries, making sure your life is good. Like these could be hour-long talks on their own. So I strongly suggest if these things are not in your life, you do some deeper work. And with anything we talk about, like do the work. That's like, you know, get the cock involved, as you were saying, because there's a lot of heart here mm-hmm. and there's a lot of like, I don't know how I feel about this. And we just cling on to this hope that someone's going to complete us. And that's something that we've been talking about in our community, which is just like, come in as a fucking full circle and meet the other full circle and basically make the infinity sign with each other rather than coming in as two C's, try to make a circle out of each other. Like you got to come in as a whole hundred percent. Like this is me. Let's work together. I love all the communication prompts you suggested. That has been one of the best things for us as well, which is just like, let's get real clear on what's triggering me. Here's why. Like, okay, you said this, whatever there's communication, like nonviolent communication you mentioned. And the last thing that you said about like teaching people how to handle you is so Mm. fucking important. And this is a, this is a problem for me, which I think I referenced earlier with what I was going through in my men's group, which is like, how are they supposed to know how to support you as a friend, or in this case, as an intimate partner, if you don't fucking tell them, Mm -hmm. you know, it seems obvious to us because we're just like, this is our life. Obviously we know what's going on, but without telling them and you're like, a lot of guys are like, oh, that's not very sexy. Like, oh, well, what if that causes, you know, whatever riffs? It's like, well then like, okay, there's the problem. Mm -hmm. Why, why is that a problem for you? Let's go there. Mm -hmm. What would Mm -hmm. it look like to you if this did happen? What does that feel? What do you feel about yourself? If that happens, like that's not the problem. The problem is you can't be vulnerable and there's a, there's a reason behind that. So teaching people how to interact with you is such a fucking important point. I love that you got there. Mm. So thank you, man. 
Oh, sorry. I was just saying, I love the concept yeah, of relationship and thinking it's such a fertile ground for people. It's so fertile of self-development, self-knowledge, of expansion, of growth. Of it's, it, it hurts me to look at the numbers of how many men aren't in relationship and then talk to them and they just say like, well, I'm not good at it. I'm like, well, here's the deal, man. Even those of us who quote are good at, I teach relationship workshops. I still get in arguments with my girlfriend. I still want to like put my head through the wall sometimes. And then she does too. There is no relationship that's healthy that doesn't occasionally have the time where you're like, okay, we're gonna, I'm going to go in the other room. I'm going to put my head through the wall. I'm going to take it out. I'm going to bring it back. <laughs> like those relationships yeah. <laughs> don't exist. So I encourage men all the time to be in relationship and, and just realize that also the first one starts with the guy in the mirror. When you know, these are the ways I protect myself. These are the ways I overreact. These are the ways I get mad because I've, it's linked to this thing when I was a kid. Like that knowledge is vital everywhere you go. And I'm, I'm going to just project that, that that knowledge is equally vital when dealing with your kids. Dude, that, that is exactly right. That's why everything we do, courses, men's group, whatever, we start with awareness practices, mm-hmm. mindfulness, know yourself. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about like the things and not even talk about, let's feel and notice what is real for you. You know, so like in, if you can't feel what's coming up, if you can't notice as things come up, if you don't know the history and the whys behind your triggers, start there. Why, 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 why? All the way back down and then feel it and move the energy and like sit with that body experience of trauma, wounding, you know, conditioning, all that kind of stuff and get very clear on finding that quiet stillness to mm. learn to notice yourself. Um as you said before, like, you know, having your kids be able to do this or having your kids engender this in you, it's the same as relationship being a teacher. That's why I think fatherhood is like one of the paths to the greatest spirituality and the greatest mm-hmm. awakening is because in relationship, as you mentioned, you'll get triggered, like triggered to shit because someone is now like right there pushing on all your buttons. You're seeing yourself reflected back in the worst ways sometimes. And your kids like do that on full blast. Like they turn it all the way up to 11 and they're just like, Hey man, remember that time that like your dad left when you were a kid and like nobody was there for you when you were crying. Now I'm crying. What are you going to do about it? Huh? Huh? And you're like, fuck, I don't know. Like now I'm triggered and now I've got to deal with that. Right? So relationship, fatherhood, if you Mm. go with the mental reframe, I am going to go in as a fucking student and not have my shit together and learn Mm. from these experiences with these wife, partner, children as your teachers. That's been my single biggest reason that I've been able to like become even slightly less miserable and start to enjoy life is because I let them guide me because it felt hopeless. That's how bad it was. I was like, Hey, there must be something to learn here. Right? So yeah, Mm. if you mentally reframe relationship, fatherhood, there's a gold mine there in my opinion. I don't want to miss out on asking you about um, your experience with miscarriage. Mm-hmm. And this is a topic that we've talked about briefly on the show before in my episode with my friend, Tim Dick. And it's not as rare as many men seem to think or people seem to think, because I had assumed that, you know, this mm-hmm. is very rare. Not a lot of guys get this. So it's a very niche topic. And I've learned that it's not. And mm-hmm. I can only imagine, and my heart goes out to you and all the men who have experienced this, the fucking like 
brokenness that that must feel like. And I wonder if you can, like, what comes up for you when I ask you to share? Like, is there a healing Mm. process? Is there a deep feeling behind that? How can we support men who go through this and be able to both honor and transform in moving forward? Does anything Mm. come up? Yeah, thank you. It's it's just brutal. Uh, or it was for me, right? I remember my ex-wife, like at two, three in the morning, I remember the bathroom light going on and, and just being like, oh, she's, she's got to pee or something. And then realizing like, okay, bathroom lights still on. And I think I f- actually fell back asleep, Kurt. And she walked by me and, and put her hand on my shoulder and woke me up and said, uh, we have to go to the emergency room. I'm bleeding. I think there's something wrong with the baby. And I literally don't think I slept for the next four months because every time I closed my eyes, I felt that hand waking me up. Right. And so I just want to address the fact that that was real. And for so many guys, I didn't know it was a thing. Call me uneducated, call the culture incomplete and sharing it with me. I just didn't think it happened that often. And then like you said, I got into it and went, Oh, it's almost 50% of pregnancies or, you know, women have had multiple. Once we had it, all of these people came out like, Oh yeah, we had two before we had this, or we had a kid and then two miscarriages and then our, our twins and then yada, yada. I think what is so hard is we, I felt tasked with taking care of her. This is happening to her. We are in the emergency room. She's in the gown. The doctors are talking to her. The doctors say she may need a procedure. She may not. It's happening to her. I have to take care of her. Yet, there was no one to take care of me. And I didn't know how to take care of me. And I didn't even know something was happening to me that needed to be taken care of until much, much later, right? Until actually I, a couple months later when I was drunk and high and jerking off four times a day and going, well, maybe there's something here that I'm not admitting or or honoring. But the, the position I think is so hard for men is how do we protect? How do we provide? How do we keep this person who we love and is going through a physical thing safe and going through an emotional thing? while also allowing ourselves to be held. And who do we do it by, right? That is a conundrum. This isn't a miscarriage, but I will share a way that I've recently, I down here, this is, I'm in Costa Rica, had a really gnarly ATV accident a month ago. My girlfriend was sitting on the back with me, no helmets, no nothing. We crashed. We both got thrown off of the thing. Both were lying in the middle of a ditch. Like my head was cut open. Her foot was all fucked up. We got driven home by some people, took her to the hospital, like did all the things. And that afternoon, we went back and forth between holding each other and crying. Where I said to her, like, I need, I need, I need you to hold me right now. Even though I was the driver, I'm okay. She was more badly hurt. I felt responsible. I'm the dude. I'm 190 pounds. I used to fight in a cage. I'm blah, blah, blah. I was like, that fucked me up. And to her benefit and to her grace, she said, it will actually help me. She's saying this, if I can also hold you. Because 
I know this happened to you too. Like I wasn't the only, she's not the only one in the accident. And so it was this beautiful symbiosis of, yeah, this, this, you're more hurt. This is a beautiful analogy. Like you're more, she's more hurt than I am physically. Yet we both crashed. We both have this thing that we have to process. What if we allowed ourselves to process it together? And some women may not be able to do that for you. That is why you need men. Had I known at the time what I know now, uh, when my ex-wife did ask me flippantly, kind of like, you all right? And I was like, yep, you? And she went, yep, that we were both lying. And I would have held her and held her through it and gone immediately to a group of guys and said, I am fucked up. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I, then that's the, the wording if we get to it. It's like, I don't know what to do. There's nothing to do. That was the problem. Like, how do I, how do I solve this? Like, do, do I need a hammer? Do I need a, like a, a weight set? Do I need a calculator? How do I solve this? And so if we go back to the word impotent, like I felt so fucking useless and I felt so helpless. And yet in hindsight, what I know now is if I had gone and taken care of myself and gotten support, then I could have at least stood in front of her a bit more whole and said, hey, how do I support you? And meant it as opposed to this clingy, like, I don't know what to do, so how do I fix this? Why aren't you sleeping? Why does your stomach still hurt? When are we going to blah, 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 as opposed to like, hey, that, that just sucked, didn't it? That just happened to us. Uh, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. I've got, I've got a team of guys that are loving me and supporting me through this. What do you need from me? And, and having her, hopefully, having enough emotional intelligence when she has the capacity and the resourcing to say, wow, this also happened to you. I know it didn't happen in your body, and you're not dealing with the physical stuff, but I want to simply hold you. The answer of, I'm fine, I'm not going to take that. I'm actually going to insist upon you. Put your head on my chest. Yeah, this happened to you too. We're a team, aren't we? That's what I, I want to speak to men about around this issue. Um, and please, guys, if you have other men in your life going through this, do not bypass it for them and do not bypass it with them. So when they say, like, I'm fine. Yeah, you're fine. And what else? Like, was it scary? Was it, are you heartbroken? That's still your kid, isn't it? Do you feel helpless? Do you feel like you wish you could do something? Like, it's okay. These, this, is, this is normal what you're going through. What's not normal is, was my reaction seven years ago, or, which was, I'm fine. I just need a bottle of Jack Daniels, a couple joints, and Pornhub. And I'm, I'm t- like, who isn't fine that drinks and smokes and get high and jerks off five times at seven in the morning? Like, that's a, clearly the signs of a guy who's fine. Fine's not okay. If, and if you've been through a miscarriage or your, your partner's had one right now, it's okay to not be fine. I'd say I'd leave it at that. <sighs> Fuck, man. Thank you. Mm. Mm. I'm going to sit with that for a second. Um, the the final thing that I'd love to touch on with this is, um, if you've got the time, is, is grief. Because <clears throat> I mm. have noticed in my mm-hmm. life, grief sure. has been a very powerful healing tool and something that I have used mm. to sort of break through a lot of pain allowing myself to feel grief like that 
and allowing myself the understanding that to me, grief is wanting so badly something that I will never get. And you have to surrender to that feeling. And for me, not related to miscarriage or anything, but my grief came from, I am deeply inside a three-year-old boy who wants his mom and his dad to be there for him. Mm. Don't want my dad to have left. I mm-hmm. want an adult who's big enough to hold my feelings. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to get that because I'm not three anymore. Mm-hmm. Like my parents can't do that for me. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if there's anything there to close this out on grief for you because going through that, I don't imagine you ever fully grieve. Like I'm just thinking about my own father having died Mm -hmm. and you know, there's, there's still a little bit of grief there, maybe never go away. And I've processed it in a certain sense. So is there anything in your story that, that looks similar to that? Yeah. You know, it's it's such a potent space or a potent energy, and I don't want to intellectualize grief. I view grief as like this reservoir that lives in the bottom of my gut, and it doesn't empty. And I can I have to just have grace, knowing that it exists. And I think simply recognizing that it exists is step one, right? At the start of the pandemic, uh, I don't know if you know Connor Beaton. He runs Man Talks. Great dude, great teacher, has a his own podcast. And he did a solo podcast on grieving the, the difference between the life you thought you were going to live and the life you're living now. And I was walking around this park because like we were just getting out a little bit and listening to this and was like, well, this is cool, but like I don't really have anything like that. And I went and sat down and started meditating and then was sobbing uncontrollably like for 30 minutes, just like like the full like snot shake sob by myself. I was like, okay, there's something here. Uh, and I'm telling you that because I think most men, I know most men won't even allow themselves to get to sadness. And if we look at this, like if I look at layers, Kurt, like sadness sits on top of grief. And what do we say? We always there's this that that cultural cliche of anger is sadness's bodyguard. Like we're cool with anger. Sadness, eh, it's a little effeminate. You may cry and it's not that cool. Grief is the juice. Grief is the full body snot, shakes, loss of control. And I think every once in a while, grief sends like a little tributary up a river of some kind that's like, oh, that's right. I may have a seven-year-old right now, or I could have. Now I got to go sit down for 15 minutes and, and just let that be, right? Oh, my dad is now at a point where he, he doesn't really know. He can't answer questions cognitively. Okay, I got to sit with that for a few minutes and just let that be. And also, I think men need permissionary spaces to f- dive full headfirst into the tributary. And that's often in a men's space. We got to deal with this stuff. We have to. We have to admit that our life may not have turned out the way we wanted to, or it did, but there was a cost along the way, or there's something that's happened. And I think, especially as we get older, this is going to be more and more prevalent as more people pass away, as people get sick, as 
options that were once open to us become unopen. I think the the whole world right now is in grief. Just no one's allowed to 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 say it, which is why we're so angry, why we're so reactive, why we're so addicted, all the things. So to speak to it, it's it's potent. Like I want to use these words carefully. It's potent. It's like it's high density material that you can't live in it forever. Like I can't spend my life in that reservoir. I won't get anything done. I won't get off the couch. I won't, I won't talk to anybody. But if I also pretend that it's not there and it doesn't exist, it's either going to make me do some things to keep that knowledge hidden. Like I'm going to have to start looking at more porn. I'm going to have to start drinking again. I'm going to have to maybe get high every once in a while. Or I can include it in my life in a practice in a way that one, when it does decide to like knock on the door and be like, okay, I'm going to give you the space. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to sob. And I've done this. I'm sure you've done it where like, wow, I just cried uncontrollably for like 19 seconds. And that was it. That was like grief's little river that came up that day. Not three days. I'm not in a breakup. Everything's cool. I'm healthy. My everyone's good. But like, oop, that thing just snuck up. And then when it really does come up, uh, we just I just found out two weeks ago that a member of my team, close member, had died. And I just I'm so fortunate to be around my teaching partner, Leela, my other teaching partner, one of my best friends, Jeremy, and my partner. And I just let them hold me and I I just sobbed for and it was, you know, five, six minutes. That's it. But I feel like doing that keeps me out of addiction. <laughs> Doing that five, six minute investment of just being like, all right, you guys, you ready to see me with like snot running down my face and fully diving into it? Cool. I'm okay with this. Thank you for holding me. And this is why two years from now, I'm not going to be blowing lines off a stripper's ass in Vegas telling you that I'm fine. So it's it's an allowance, Kurt, and a, a permission to just grieve, man. Like it, it just do it and do it consciously and do it with people who can hold you and do it with people who can put you back together again afterwards. If we come back to what we talked about in the beginning, we need the sacred and we need the, and we need community. And to mm-hmm. me, touching grief is sacred. It's no one gets out of here without it. And so you have to call grace in to go, yeah, this thing happened. My friend died. Okay. All right. I got to both feel that, acknowledge it, metabolize it, alchemize it and get on with my life. But I love the view too of, you know, when I, when I was first getting divorced, I reached out to a girl who I'd known. She, she joined my gym when she was a kid and she was like a photographer, a photographer now in her thirties. And I told her the situation. I said, I feel like I have a hole in my heart, but I'm full everywhere else around that hole. And she goes, Oh, so you're a donut. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so my advice for grief is to allow yourself to be a donut, <laughs> and that's oh. in the airplane going over. That's that's what's going to happen to you. You're going to be a donut, and and that's part. That's that's to me a healthy man. And I'll leave it at that. Dude, thank you so much. I um, yeah, I I just I see you and I honor you. And I, you know, hold the sacredness of that grief and man, for you to hold that and then alchemize it and share it with the world. Like, it seems like that was a, a, a pivotal moment mm-hmm. and now you're 
sharing this. And now you're helping men do the same and you're allowing, you know, <laughs> these donut men to walk around as, as fully authentic <laughs> humans. And that's beautiful. So uh, I thank you for doing the work you do and also for showing up today. This has far outstripped my expectations. I feel very connected to your energy and I very much appreciate, appreciate it. it. So where can men find more? My book is now on Amazon. Get your hands on Man Uncivilized. It'll it'll rock your world. Uh, you can get it from me too at manuncivilized.com forward slash the book. Uh, I'm on Instagram at Traver Bohm, T-R-A-V-E-R-B-O-E-H-M. Uh, I got programs, workshops, courses like Up the Wazoo. Most of that or all of it is on the website. Go to manuncivilized.com. I have a podcast, the Uncivilized Podcast. Uh, I'm not hard to find. I love talking to men. If any of this resonated with you, hit me up on Instagram and and I will get back to you. And Kurt, thank you so much too for the work you're doing. I believe it. Uh, I'm not a dad, but I I hope to be and recognize that the greatest opportunity it feels like to shift the consciousness and the trajectory of the planet lies in men's hands, in father's hands rather. Mm -hmm. So thank you for the work you're doing as well. Thank you, brother. Okay, well- Please check out Traver. It's been hopefully life-changing just listening to this fucking podcast, to be honest. (laughs) So thank you, bro. I really appreciate you. Cheers, man. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. It means the world. To find out more about everything that we talked about in the episode today, including show notes, resources, and links to subscribe, leave a review, work with us, go to dad.work slash pod. That's D-A-D dot W-O-R-K slash P-O-D. Type that into your browser, just like a normal URL, dad.work slash pod. You'll find everything there you need to become a better man, a better partner, and a better father. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.